You're listening to the Prestige 70 Podcast, a collection of intimate conversations with contemporary jazz artists with an eye toward the genre-defining music made on Prestige Records. Our guest today is one of the most influential percussionists in Afro-Cuban jazz. He's been featured on albums by the Jazz Crusaders, Eddie Harris, Freddie Hubbard, Tito Puente, Mongo Santa Maria, among many others. He joined Cal Jader's band in 1975 and remained with him as a featured soloist until his death in 1982. As a band leader, he's released over 20 albums, and in 1999, his album Latin Soul won the Grammy Award for Best Latin Album. Pancho Sanchez, welcome to the Prestige 70 podcast. Thank you, Scott. Well, I want to go back with you because so much of your path in your career in music has um, has been unique. Born in Laredo, but but your parents are from Mexico. Right. Tell me about when you came to Southern California. I was three and a half years old, I think uh-huh. they told me, yeah. when uh, we came from Laredo. Uh, there's, I have 11 brothers and sisters, six sisters and four brothers. And uh, we're all born down south in Laredo, Texas, mm-hmm. right next to the Rio Grande. Yep. My father was in the dry cleaning business. Yeah. He had a little small cleaners. And he decided to uh, to move to Los Angeles uh, because I think one of my uncles moved here first and said there was a lot of work and mm-hmm. a lot of cleaners were opening up. Yeah. So there was a lot of work for my dad. So my dad decided to uh, put us all in a black Plymouth and we all loaded up <laughs> like, the ah. Be- like the Beverly Hillbillies <laughs> <laughs> and came on out. Um, my father bought a house in Norwalk, uh-huh. California. Which right, right. Of course, a suburb yep. of Los Angeles. Uh, and, yeah. and so for us, uh, I think the way it all happened is we moved out to Los Angeles, Lo- Norwalk, and they discovered the television and the radio. You mm. know what I mean? Because in mm-hmm. Laredo, at that time, there, there was very little radio mm. stuff. And anything you would get on the radio down in Laredo, Texas, in the 50s would be uh, Mexican music. It would be yeah. uh, uh, ranchera music, mm-hmm. norteño music, mm-hmm. or mariachi music, you know, yeah. like that, you know, from Mexico. When we got out here to California, my mostly my, my brothers too, but mostly my sisters. I have six sisters. And they got they caught the first wave of the mambo and cha-cha-cha music mm-hmm. that came to Los Angeles mm-hmm. by way of, of course, Cuba, Puerto Rico. New York City, even Mexico City, yeah. to Los Angeles. Because you you, know. you you couldn't necessarily find that stuff on record anywhere. They, well, they around, had to be hearing it on the radio. Yeah, not, well, not around here. Uh, you know, Scott, the way it happened, there's a gentleman that he passed away already by the name of Chico Sesma. Mm. Chico Sesma had the very first Afro-Cuban what they call salsa music nowadays, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, radio show on the, on the radio uh, at that time. He was, he was the first guy and the only guy mm. to play Afro-Cuban music or what they call salsa music today. And he would come out uh, for one hour once a week. That was it. And I think that w- that was like on K-O-W-L. Yeah, something, something like that. Yeah, and, yeah. and I was yeah. just a little boy, yeah. but my sisters would get in their room and move the rug out of the way or whatever, and they would wait for Chico Sesma's radio show to come on. As a matter of fact, later on in my in my record, Psychedelic Blues, I recorded his theme song. His theme song was a song called Con Sabor Latino. Uh, Con Sabor Latino means uh, with Latin flavor. Mm. And I remember it would say, uh, Con Sabor Latino, muy sinceramente, para sus vecinos y para usted, aquí estoy yo. Which means, for all, all you Latin lovers, this is, this, I'm here for you to play Latin music. Huh. And then it, it, there's a part of the song where it slows down in tempo, because that was a mambo. Mm-hmm. The tempo I was singing is in a mambo tempo. Then it goes down to a cha-cha-cha, and it's, so it's going to a cha-cha-na, and they would start singing in English. It says, uh, I play your boleros. And your merengues, I play all the cha-cha-chas and mambos for you. The swinging is bad, the best in the land. And, and he said, I pleasure to be your host. Ta-da-da-da-da. And back to a mambo. So right when it would say, I pleasure to be your host, it's a pleasure to be your host. Chico Sesma would lower it down and say, Hi, I'm Chico Sesman, and I, it's a pleasure to be your host. That's awesome. <laughs> i never forget that. It, it yeah. was that little boy, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And my sister used to love that, you know? Yeah. Well, Chico Sesman was the first guy to play that type of music. Mm. He would play Cal Jader and, and people like that, you know, Orquesta Aragón from Cuba. 
the charanga music from Cuba. Chico Sesma started the Latin holiday dances here in Los Angeles in the late 50s, early 60s. My sisters were barely old enough to go to those, so they used to go to the Latin holiday dances and come home with the, they'd buy the records there from, you mm -hmm. know, uh, uh, these different people, different artists. So they'd come home and the next morning they would put these records on all day long and dance. So I would watch my sisters dance the mambo and cha-cha-cha when I was a little boy. Right, right. So that was when you were very young. Mm -hmm. as, as you were starting to get older, maybe getting into junior high school and into high school, what, what else were you hearing? What, what, else did you, what else did you hear? Well, at that time uh, is when the um, uh, British invasion mm -hmm. came, came in, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the Rolling Stones, the Beatles, like that. And also there was soul music too. James Brown, Wilson Pickett, Otis Redding. Yeah, great soul music. Yeah, 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 yeah. man. The best. Mine's still my favorite. Yeah, style. yeah, yeah. And the Temptations and the Tops, uh -huh. you know, uh, the Motown thing, you know. Uh -huh. uh, and 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 then even a little past that, uh, into high school, was the uh, acid rock music. You know, the mm. uh, the Who, the Cream, the uh, Led Zeppelin, Iron Butterfly, yeah. all yeah, that yeah, stuff, yeah, yeah, yeah. which yeah. I was not a big fan of. You uh -huh. know. And it was a little rough for me because my friends were, you know mm. what I mean? Well, everybody in the neighborhood, you know, they knew all about that, uh, you know, the, uh, acid rock music. Sure. Because that was happening around that time, too. And I liked black soul music is mm. what I liked, you know. Mm. And I liked old doo-wop music and yeah. stuff. And, of course, Dito Puente and Cal Jader. None of my friends knew what any of that was. Hmm. They wanted just acid rock music. Did, did you ever have happening. to explain it to them? Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I sure did. And yeah. And... and, and 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 most of the time they'd say that's old people's music. Take uh, take that stuff off. Right. You know what I mean. Right. So I did have a few Jimi Hendrix records stashed <laughs> yeah. for when my friends came over to to smoke those Just funny little take, cigarettes yeah. and uh, you know what I mean. Like I have that. no idea what you're talking <laughs> yeah. about. If I understand correctly, percussion was not your first instrument. No, no. At first, uh, what happened is there was a gentleman that lived across the street from us. I must have been in like I don't know the fifth or sixth grade. And the gentleman across the street from us, his name was Benny Rodriguez. Mm. Benny lived across the street from us, and he had they had a rhythm and blues band. And that's when the Motown sound barely first came out, and they had a band called the, the Chevelles. Mm. When the Chevelle cars came out. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah. And the Chevelles. And they played all this soul music, you know, and mostly a lot of Motown stuff. So I would sit, sit in the driveway and watch them practice through the window. Benny um, played the guitar in the band, and so... Uh, that was the only thing available to me. I mean, I, I, I could feel this fire burning in my soul, man, mm -hmm. that I, you know, I wanted to dance with my, with my sisters or I wanted to play an instrument or something, but I didn't. We didn't have no money. Mm -hmm. When there's 11 kids, you ain't got no extra money in the house, okay? <laughs> yeah. Don't even ask. <laughs> um, so uh, Benny sold me an old acoustic guitar for, for 50 cents, <laughs> but it was missing three strings. <laughs> Later on, I bought the other three strings, and he was trying to teach me just a couple of simple things. And um, and I was doing that for a minute. Yeah. And then what happened is I got into junior high school right about then, and he was teaching two other guys down the street. There was three of us. He was teaching us how to play the guitar. Well, my dad got the big idea to move back to Laredo, and um, I think it could have been around '64, '63, or something like that. To, uh, going back to Laredo, and we said, "Why? You know what I mean? We're from Los Angeles." Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> And, and a couple of my sisters got married real quick so they wouldn't have to go back. <laughs> Actually, they had, my, two of my sisters, they had a double wedding, I remember. And the next week, we went to Laredo. They both got married on the same day? Yeah, oh they, because they had a double wedding because yeah. they didn't want to go to Laredo. <laughs> and they they were thinking about marriage, but that, that yeah. hurried them up, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. But it ends up, uh, myself, my brother, a uh, year and a half older than me, and then my sister, a year and a half older than him, us three had to go back. Hmm. So we went back, went back to Laredo. They didn't know anything about soul music or that. Well, not much. You know what I mean? They were into more of the traditional music hmm. in Texas, yeah. which is cool. You know, it's all good. But I was I wanted to learn James Brown or something, yeah. you know, Ray Charles or something. You know, well, long story short, I I think I knew honky tonk on the guitar and what I say and something real simple like that. I practiced those songs with three songs. I practiced them every day, every day. Um, a year later, we moved back to Norwalk. Los Angeles, and I, I thought it was a hot shot because I knew those songs real good, man, mm. you know what I mean? And I went back to the neighborhood when the guys were learning with me, and I knock on the door, and hit the, one of the Ralph, Ralph, Ralph Vasquez, who has passed now, his sister answered the door, and I, Boncho, what are you doing here? You know, because they knew I moved to Texas. Mm -hmm. 
Ah, oh, we moved back. You moved back? All right. I said, is Ralphie here, man? You know, does he still have a guitar and all that? Is Benny still teaching him? He said, oh, he has an electric guitar with an amplifier now. What? You know, <laughs> that got the three strings, you know? <laughs> and he said, no, and they have a band down the street. Do you, do you know Mike Dominguez? I go, yeah, I remember Mike. He plays bass in the band, and they're practicing in his garage. I went over there like, what? You know, what did I miss out on? Yeah. I went there, and I walked in. They're like, poncho, poncho. They're rehearsing, and I'm there. And I got my little beat-up guitar, and I'm starting to hide it now because they had brand-new electric guitars with amplifiers, mm. and they were sing- they were they had a little repertoire of tunes. They had they had a band, yeah, and drummer yeah. and all that. And I'm like, my eyes, are, my tongue's hanging out. You know, I'm like, what's going on here? And I said, man, why did I go to the radio? Look what I missed out <laughs> on. Well, what happened is, I thought it was a hotshot guitar player, right? Mm. Well, Ralphie told me. Boncho, we don't need a guitar player. There was three guitar players in the band already, and they all played better than me, you know, because uh, Benny kept showing them, you know, and they kept. Sure. They kept yeah, they progressed. They progressed, and I yeah. didn't, you know yeah. what I mean? So he said, what we need is a singer. And I said, singer, huh? Mm. He said, there's the microphone. Why don't you give it a shot? And I was a skinny. At one time, I was a skinny person. <laughs> <laughs> I was a skinny kid. And don't forget, I, I used to dance with my sisters. Right. They, they taught me all the latest dances. Well... I mean, I want to be in the band, right? So I got that microphone and I put on the biggest show that I could think of. You know what I mean? <laughs> I did the James Brown and you know, <laughs> and I you were hired. I, I had no idea what yeah. I was doing. I was yeah. just doing because I want to be part of this thing. Yeah. You know? yeah. And I'm singing, and after the song was over, the the, the guys in the band were staring at me. And they go, "Wow, Poncho, you sing great." And I go. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I'm said, in the band. You got it. And yeah. they gave me a stack of 45s and said, we got a wedding this weekend. Learn, learn the, songs. the songs. And I'm like. Well, so, so what was the repertoire? What, what, what were the oh, songs? God, uh, I remember one for sure. Uh, Wooly Bully. Wooly Bully. Sam DeSham and the yeah, Ferrells. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Out of Sight, James Brown. Uh-huh. Which I later on, I did an album called yeah. Out of Sight. You know, right. Uh, with right. Concord. Um, and then uh, at weddings, you have to sing slow tunes. You mm-hmm. know, uh, Ballads or ballad, well, they call oldie but goodies, right? Mm-hmm. right? So I mean, I had to learn uh, that's all and uh, tra- uh, for your love. Now that's a classic. For your love, that was the 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 wedding march for right. weddings. Yeah, yeah. You know, that was a big wedding march uh-huh. for your love. You got to do it. Uh, yeah. Ed Townsend was the one version we liked. Hmm. So you, know, I learned all them tunes. I mean, yeah. well, sort of. You know, I was yeah. faking some of the words. You know what I mean? <laughs> and and I got out there and 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 the first gig I got to. The microphone's in front, of course, of the band, you know, the singer, right? Sure. And then I said, well, I don't want to be out Put me over here with you guys, you know? So, no, Poncho, the singer, always goes in the front. <laughs> oh, and plus, you got to make all the announcements for the way. That was scared of the microphone, you know? Ah! But you know what? Uh, by push and pull and all that, right. I became right. Uh, yeah. a vocalist, yeah. you know what I mean? But you were also a member of a band. So, yeah, it was, uh, so the was, Halos. The Halos. That was it. So, yeah. so your musical experience... Is now really beginning. Yeah, you know that that here you are singing with this singing with this band. Mm-hmm. How did you find your way to drum set? The, uh, drum set. Yeah, what happened is um, actually I got a drum set first, uh, trap set. Yep, yep. And I started learning to play a little jazz on there, uh-huh. and and then some soul music and whatever. And I used to be in a Tex-Mex band, even played Tex-Mex polkas and all that uh-huh. stuff. So I went through all that. You know what I mean? Wow. In the neighborhood. Uh, and then I, I joined another little band. I think it was called uh, The Young Set was the name of the mm-hmm. band. And they had some timbales there. So the first percussion instrument I'd learned to play was the timbales first. Mm-hmm. So I learned to play the timbales. Yeah. I think we were playing them backwards or something. We had them turned the wrong way. But we. <laughs> <laughs> but here's here's the thing. I mean, th- this is uh, the late 50s, early 60s. Uh, 60s, yeah. Yeah, early 60s. Mm-hmm. Okay. There's no workshops that you can no. go to. There's no, no God knows there's no internet. No YouTube. <laughs> you know, no YouTube, none of that. Nothing. So how you obviously taught yourself yeah. in the main. Yeah. How'd you do it? You know what I did? Uh, I had all the, a lot of records from my sister's hand-me-downs, you know, brother, brothers and sisters. And then by then I started buying my own records, mm-hmm. you know. And there was pictures on the back of the albums with conga players like this. Or like this, you know, <laughs> you know, and that's what I look like, how he would hold his hand. And then I would listen to the sound of it. And you could tell that the conga player, there's a slap, mm-hmm. and they call it in Spanish, seco, dry, pah, and then there's open tone. So I could see the hand like this in the picture, and I could see the other one open like that. So I would just try to do that. The 
and the doom doom. The hard part was to get the pa. The doom doom is where you just kind of go, you go doom doom, you know? Yeah, yeah. it's, it's kind of natural. Hard. It's to not get too that. hard. Yeah. But to get the pa, the slap, yeah. you got to position your hand. You got to find the sweet spot on mm. the drum. And, and I remember I tried for like two or three days. And it would sound like a thump, you know. It wouldn't pop, let me tell yeah, you. Yeah. And I'm trying like crazy. And I remember I said, God damn it, pop it. That's it. There it you is. Know? Yeah. And so you, yeah. you, you could feel it in your hand when you get the, the pop. Mm-hmm. Pop. It's like, oh, nah, that's what they're doing. So that's how you started a step at a time, learning the slap and the pop. And then later on I learned how to do the two-point shuffle, three-point shuffle, mambo, merengue, whatever. I learned all the different uh, patterns because each Latin country has their traditional dance mm-hmm. and their traditional rhythm. Yeah. So all the different countries have. Yeah. So you got to learn all the different rhythms. Yeah. And, and but some of, I mean, some, some of that, all of that stuff is incredibly intricate. I mean, yeah. it's it had to be a process for you. Of, you know, you put the needle down, you yeah. listen, take exactly. the needle up, you try it, exactly. put the needle down again. Yeah. Um, that had to go on forever. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. It well, seems. I got to tell you a story. I'll, I'll tell you what happened. I was playing in the garage like that for about about two or three weeks, and one of my uh, sisters, my sister Gracie, uh, you know, she was she she knew all about the Latin mass. She used to go to the Latin holiday dances mm-hmm. all the time, yeah. so she she knew what was going on. And she'd come home from work or whatever, and she'd hear me in the garage, and and she goes, you know, you're starting to sound pretty good. You know, like it sounds pretty good coming out. The sounds coming out of the garage sound. Mm-hmm. You could tell it's a conga in there. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> And she goes, you know what? I'm going to get a professional musician to come and give you a lesson. Uh, and she goes, there's a guy named uh, Ray Medina. His name was Ray Medina. I, I, I seen him not too long ago. Well, maybe about 12 years ago. <laughs> but Ray Medina, uh, he had a little, uh, Ray Medina and the Latin Four, I think it was the name of his band. And he used to play at the Pasta House in East L.A. And some of the local gigs mm-hmm. had a little Latin band. Well, anyway, she went to see Ray Medina and said, hey, I got a little brother that, that's learning to play cons. How much would you charge for lessons or a couple of lessons? And I think he charged her twenty five bucks. I didn't have no money, mm. so my sister Gracie, Your sister yeah, paid she for used it. to uh, beautician. She used to comb hair, uh-huh. so she got a bunch of quarters together. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, it ends up that um, Ray Medina's coming to my mom's house, to my mom's garage. That's where I'm, where I hang. Yeah. He pulls up. He lived in Los Angeles. We lived in Norwalk. Mm-hmm. And he went and and he said, "Give me a hand." I think he had crutches. He had a crutch. He had some kind of leg problem or something. And I said, oh, sure, you know, I'm a young kid, strong, ready to go. I pulled out the congas uh, out of his, he had a VW bus, you know. Love days. that. And he, I pulled a conga out of there, and I said, wow, that's a gumbop. You know, gumbop was a company that makes congas. They're still around making mm. congas, which later on they made congas for me, the Poncho Sanchez model. Yeah. That's another story. But anyway, <laughs> I'm pulling these drums, and I go, oh, that's the uh, voodoo model. And I mean, I because I used to see it in the Downbeat magazine. Sure. I would see the, the advertisements. Ads. Yeah, yeah. The ads. Yeah. So I knew what every drum looked like. Yeah, and, yeah. Oh, that's the new one. Or that's the old one, you know. Well, anyway, he comes, and I go, man, these are beautiful congas. He goes, that's the best conga money can buy, you know. I said, I know that, you know. I wish I had them. <laughs> and they went to the garage, and I had some uh, little striped congas from Mexico in there. They cost me 67 bucks a piece. <laughs> and they were brand new. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, they weren't too good. Anyway, he, the guy came in the garage. He goes, you know, I'm kind of running late, so you, you better, we better hurry up. I'm going, geez, you know. And he said, well, first of all, let me see you play just so I can see where you're mm-hmm. at and I can see yeah. where to go with you. Yeah. And he goes, uh, put on the record and play the record. I said, cool. I had my favorite Cal Jader record on it. Put the needle on it. I'm doing my little thing, you know. Uh-huh. And then after, boom, boom, and then take it off the thing. And I sit there, and, then, and he's staring at me. And I'm going, uh-oh. Maybe I'm, like, totally wrong here, yeah. you know. He goes, hey, man, how did you do that little move with your left hand? <laughs> I said, what? <laughs> I demonstrate, you mean this? He goes, yeah, man, that's nice, man, that's nice. I go, oh, thanks. And he goes, how long have you been playing? About about five or six years ago. Five or six years? <laughs> Three weeks. Ah! He goes, well, how did you learn? Like, you asked yeah. me, how did you learn? I go, I don't know, I looked at the back of the albums and got the pop and the slap, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, but, so. but, but some of that, I mean, some of that had to be kind of 
in your DNA. I think so. You know, I mean, I really. I, I mean, I mean, just, I wa- just watching, just watching you here. This stuff, this stuff just comes out of you know the the, the rhythm, the sense of rhythm. I think just that, comes out. Of there's you. something in it way yeah. back in there that, that yeah. we don't all know about. You right, know what I mean? right. But you know, it, it it felt very natural to me. Yeah. It's as well as singing in that band and dancing like James Brown. I mean, yeah. that came pretty natural to me. Right. That's why I did it. Right. 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 I right. mean, and I got accepted. You know. Yeah. And, yeah. and same with the conga, it felt very natural. It actually felt good on my hands when I hit mm-hmm. the drum. Yeah. It actually felt right. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So it fit like a glove. You know. Uh-huh. And after that, I. Uh, the guy told me, and then there was a drum set there. He goes, don't tell me you play those too. And I go, well, actually, I play those better than these. <laughs> so I don't want to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> you, you mentioned that that you were listening. You were already at that point listening to Cal Jader. Oh, yeah. Ever since I was a little boy because yeah. my brothers and sisters had the records. Yeah. When, what is it about that music that so moved you at such an early age? Man, you know, I, I think it's just the, the, the sound of the vibes and the conga and the timbales. Mm. It's mellow smooth, rich sounding, but with a percussion there, it's tasavroso. Uh, in, in, in English, that means it's very flavorful. Mm. It, you could f- f- taste the flavor or, yeah. or the rhythm. Right away, you just want to groove, you know? Yeah. And then with the vibes, how mellow, and then the way Cal played, he played vibes smoother and sweeter than anybody I know. Mm. Yeah. The only one that sounded like Cal J a little bit was Milk Jackson, Bags. Yes. But he played jazz. Yes. You know? Cal played Latin jazz. You right. know what I mean? And so the, the, all that that put together, I really was really impressed with that. It just felt right to me. And then I was learning about jazz at the time, you know, mm. uh, yeah, about my first John Coltrane record when I was in eighth grade or something. So I learned about the progressive jazz and stuff. And then with the Latin rhythms, you cross those two things together, you got Latin jazz. Yeah. I think it has the best of both worlds because it has the melody, the harmonies, the sophistication of jazz or American standards mm-hmm. or like that with the flavor of the Latin rhythms and the Latin dancing. You cross those two things together, you get yeah. Latin jazz. Yeah. You know? Just to, um, to, to run the clock back just, just a little bit, you were talking about you know learning to play in the, in, the, in the garage. And you would go out and play in a, in a park. In, oh, yeah. in Santa Monica, uh, Griffith Park. It's oh, in, uh, oh, in, in, it's, uh, in Los Angeles. Here in Los yeah, Angeles. Yeah, in Los Angeles. Yeah, right off um, the five. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. I guess that was uh, maybe almost out of high school. Mm-hmm. And so somebody told us, you know, there's conga players that play every Sunday at Griffith Park, which they still do today. Yeah. You know, um, so I said, wow, oh, Griffith Park, that's where the merry-go-round is and all that. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, that that over there. So we went down to five and got off there, Los Feliz or whatever. Uh-huh. Yep. And we went over there. Uh, it was myself and, and Ramon Banda who has passed away. We mm-hmm. just lost him uh, about a month ago. Uh, uh, Ramon, uh, we went to, to Griffith Park. Uh, Ramon took timbales and I took congas. Well, anyway, we got to the park and it's, it's a Sunday afternoon and it's a beautiful day, big, huge trees, beautiful park, right? All kinds of people. And there was a bit, bunch of guys underneath a tree and they're all drinking and smoking them cigarettes and stuff, you know what I mean? And uh, we're all hanging and... Uh, and they they're playing, but everybody's got like they got trash cans and just anything they <laughs> plastic can beat buckets, on. yeah, whatever yeah, you yeah. know. And they're just beating on it. And they, yeah. we did that for about forty minutes, and it's just a bunch of noise is what right. it is. Yeah. And after a while, we said, "Oh man, you know this, this ain't cool, man. You know this yeah. is people are just getting high and acting up. Is mm-hmm. all they're doing. This is, cra- <laughs> this is craziness, you know." And some guy tapped me on the shoulder and said. Um, Hey man, you, you sound pretty good because I guess you know you people paying attention to what you're doing, you know. Yeah. And I'm just trying to catch a groove, you know. Well, he said, you know, you should go up there with a the good conga players play. And I go up where, you know, up there by the merry, you know, the merry ground. Go yeah, up there on the hill. He go yeah, they're right next to the merry ground. There's a, a piece of cement there where I think they had a picnic table and they moved the picnic table so that's where they could play. Play because yeah. to play on the on the carpet or to play on the grass, it eats the sound of the conga. Right. Right. You, Put on some wood or sound bounces just, around. Yeah, it's better. Yeah, you know? yeah. So he goes, yeah, they, they're up there, but they're the good, uh, the Cubans and Puerto Ricans up there, and they mm. play really good. Uh, I told Ramon, let's go, man. You know, tune. Let's, let's go up there. So we start going up there, and we put our drums down, and we're watching the circle, right? And there's about ten guys playing. And I go, wow, yeah, they sound good, man. They're, and they're singing the rumba, you know. Oh yeah, mi wawanko. Oh yeah, para gozar. And we're going, yeah, man, this is shit, man. This is it, baby. <laughs> And so we watch all the cats play, you know, and people are hanging around, drinking beers and whatnot, you know. And, and then all of a sudden, uh, 
I, I tapped a guy on the shoulder. You know, the, he was, I could tell he was the main guy, you know, and he because he was soloing. He playing the quinto. Quinto is a smaller conga and it's higher pitch. Mm. It's a talking drum. It's a solo solo mm. drum. Everybody's playing like basic patterns, and this guy talks, you know, solo. And so I'm watching the guy play the quinto. And, wow, I said, wow, he plays good, you know. So we're checking him out, and I tapped him on the shoulder. I said, hey man, could I sit in? And and he looked at me like that, and he's playing, and he said, "Tu eres cubano," and I said, "No." Yeah, are you Cuban? I said, no. Tu eres puertorriqueño? I said, no. Are you Puerto Rican? No. He said, what are you? I said, well, I'm a Chicano. <laughs> Tejano. <laughs> I'm a Texan, man. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, um, he, and he looked at me, he goes, Chicano no puedo tocar la conga. Means uh, Mexicans can't play the conga. Mexicans can't play the conga. And he kept playing, blah, 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 blah. And go, I go, how do you know? You haven't heard me, you know? <laughs> it's like, I got mad, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I said, and then Ramon said, what do you say? I go, ah, man, he don't, he don't let me sit. And he says, he said, Mexicans can't play congas, man. And, and, and Ramon just, was just looking at him now. And then all of a sudden he got up to go get a beer or go shake somebody's hand or something. He got up from me. You uh-huh. could tell him he walked across the circle there. So I jumped on there. The <laughs> guy looked back like that. And he, he said, you know, and he, and he let me play. I'm like, yeah. I played, I don't know, four or five minutes, whatever. And after they finished that little rumba, he told me, he was telling me in Spanish, he goes, wow, man, you sound great. He goes, your father's got to be a Cuban. I said, no, I told you. <laughs> You're, okay, your mother's Puerto Rican, right? And I said, no, they're from Mexico. And he goes, how are you going to play like that? I said, oh, I don't know. I just, I like it. I, I, here, I have a lot of records at home yeah. of Mongo Santa Maria and Cal Jr. They go, man, you sound good. Stay with us, man, play. And, and that's how I... I had to break my way in there, right? You know what I mean? Right. I mean, there was a, there was a sort of defined hierarchy of yeah, you know, kind of what was going even in the park. Yeah, you're not going to play if you don't play good. Man. Yeah, yeah. You're gonna, they're going to get you out real quick. Yeah. You know what I mean, and they're they're not like really nice guys and to <laughs> tap you on the show. Could you please move? Yeah. You know, yeah. They're going to grab you. And say, get the hell yeah, out of okay. here. You know what I mean? It's, it's, they're not going to play with you. Yeah. you know how long? Mean? How long did you? How how often did you go back? We didn't really go that much, but we went like maybe you know three or four times a uh-huh. year. Yeah. You know yeah. I mean. You know, and then after a while, we started getting gigs and put, trying to sure. put little bands together. Sure. We kind of started to do our thing, sure. you know. Yeah. You mentioned Mongo Santa Maria. Yeah. And, and, and he would become very important to, to your career. And, and I read that you would go see him, I think, at the Lighthouse. Yeah, Hermosa. In Hermosa. What did you learn by going to see him so early on? Well, you know, we were, I was in high school. And, I, I, and, and you know, it was, first of all, it was just get, it was hard to get a ride to go that far out from Norwalk to. That's a long way. It's about twenty some yeah. miles or something. Yeah. And so the cats in the neighborhood who had low riders, I would tell them, "Hey, man, take me to to uh, uh, Hermosa Beach." Yeah. They go, "Hermosa Beach? What do you want to go there for?" <laughs> <laughs> I said, and I tell them, "I'll put fifty cents of gas if yeah, you take uh, me. You That's go. a lot of gas. That's a lot you of gas. Yeah, fifty yeah. cents of gas." I see Mongo play. I see Mongo uh, Santa Maria's band play there. Calgary's band. Uh, the Jazz Crusaders, I seen mm-hmm. all of them play there, so that was a big deal to me. So we'd sit and watch Mongo play. Well, actually, I'd get there like at least an hour early just to stare at his congas because <laughs> they'd be right in front of me. We'd sit in the front row, and I would just stare at his congas like, wow, you know, how come I don't have something like that? You know? <laughs> and I would try to find out the difference between my conga and his. You know, maybe it's all in that conga that gives him that sound. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're thinking of everything, sure. right? So I'm, I'm checking. For an hour, I would look at his congas. Of course, you know, you respect, so you would never touch, you right, know? Right, right. And then w- when he'd walk out to come sit out, I mean, I'd almost pass out. I mean, that's almost too much. Now he's behind the yeah, 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 yeah. the man, you know? Yeah. And then he'd start playing it. Oh, man, I was in heaven, you know? Yeah. So I would watch the way he moved and the way he tilted the drum, and I just watched everything he hmm. did. Hmm. The great Mongo Santa yeah, Maria. Yeah. One of my partners said, will not you go talk to him and ask him about the conga, you yeah. know? So I was, you know, scared, and I respected the man very much. Hmm. And and I knew he didn't speak really good English because he, he was from Cuba. So I went up to the bar because Mongo was sitting at the bar, and I was just a boy, uh, like in, in high school. And I and I said, uh, I, of course, everything in Spanish. I yeah. told him, excuse me, maestro, maestro, excuse me, maestro is a teacher, you know. Yeah. Uh, excuse me, maestro, uh, my name is Poncho, and, and I'm learning to play the conga. And I said, I want to ask you a question. Uh, is, is this the right way to play the mambo pattern? And in, and on, on the bar... Yeah, I I went to do my little thing, uh-huh. and he looking like this. You know, he had a little drink in his hand, looking at me like that. And then I tell, and then I stop, and I go, "Is that right? Is that right, maestro? You know, is that right, teacher?" And, and, and he goes, "Más o menos," which means 
more or less. Ah. <laughs> and, and 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 then I I waited for maybe some for him to say something else. Right. That was it. That was it. Muscle Menos. And then he went back to his. That was it. There's now there's a wall here. You know, <laughs> like he don't want to talk to me no more. And I went. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I walked away, and my partner said, what do he say? What do he say? What do he say? I go, muscle menos. <laughs> More or less. And it's funny, many years later, when I got the gig with Cal Jarrett, because he used to play with Cal Jarrett before yes. me. Yes, He Then he seen me play, and he goes, ah, you're the kid that... Mm. He said, you so play. he did make the connection. Yeah, he said, you, oh, you, wow. you can play, man. Wow. And and then, he, uh, not only that, Mongo Santa Maria came when I, to be one of my best friends. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I have a son named Mongo. Mm. I named my first son after yeah. Mongo. Yeah. And, and when we went to see Mongo play, my wife Stella was pregnant with mm-hmm. with the baby. Yeah. And those days, you didn't know it was going to be a boy or a girl. <laughs> she had the, the baby here. And, and and I told Mongo when I would see him play when he came off the stage, Mongo, could you rub my wife's stomach? Because if it's, if it's a boy, we're going to call him Mongo, you know? Mm. And he goes, oh, yeah, yeah. So he's rubbing Stella's stomach for good luck. And, of course, he came out a boy, so we named him Mongo. And his name's Xavier Mongo Sanchez. And then when they're little, you call him Monguito, you know? They're mm-hmm. little because yeah. they're little Mongo. Right. And so I would take him pictures of Monguito when he was little, when he was a baby. And so he always tell he would always tell me, Boncho, uh, give, give the baby a kiss for me, you know, because, you know, he's from New York and we're from L.A. Sure. Uh, give the baby a kiss when you get home for me. Oh, yeah, Maestro, I, I will, I will. Uh, and, like, you know, 20 years go by, uh, we became good friends. Boncho, give the baby give a kiss, kiss for me. Mongo, he's 23 <laughs> years old. <laughs> you called, you described his playing as heavy. Yeah. What, what, what does that, what does heavy mean to you in terms of his playing? Heavy hitter, man. It's like a heavyweight champion. Really? You know? They're not just going like this. They're yeah. going with all their haymakers. Oh man, like yeah. You if you get hit, you you're gonna you're hmm. gonna feel it. You know what I mean? Hmm. Well, he was like the heavyweight champion of congas. You know what yeah. I mean? He he plays like this. You know, like this, like that. You know, and if you sit close enough, you could feel the wind from his arms, like. Damn, this guy's hitting the drum. Yeah. He's not going, you know, this kind of thing. He's not doing that. You, you could feel it. You're like, wow, you can feel the ground vibrating a little bit. Like, man, that guy's kicking ass. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. So you you pay attention, you know. Sure. I mean, this guy's, this thing's, this is right in front of you. Yeah. So you feel everything. It's like, wow, do you hear that sound he has? Mm. I mean, it's just heavy and strong. Like, man, it almost sounds like gunshots, you yeah, know? Yeah. Like, wow, man, how does he get that big sound? Mm-hmm. So I, I worked on that for a long time to get that sound, so, you know? Yeah. You, we, we, we talked briefly about, about Cal Jader, and, and, and you know, I really kind of want to get into a little bit of, of your time with him. Um, now, I know it's a, it's, it's a fairly well-told story about your being introduced to him. Um, uh, but, but I know you had gone to see him at Concerts by the Sea. Right. And there was some guy there. Tell Ernie, tell, tell that story. Oh, yeah. Ernie, the guys, uh, the gentleman who has also passed away now, Ernie Still, Stills. Mm-hmm. And the way that happened, I was playing with that band Sabor. Yeah. And now I'm, I'm married, you know, to Stella, and, and I'm working. I was working in a foundry, you know, during the week. Just working, you know. And then playing on the weekends with Sabor. Mm. And there was a, a local club in Pico Rivera, which is kind of close to where I live now. Uh, and there was a club there, and it was predominantly a Latin American club. You know what I mean? It was called the Latin American Press Club. That's what it was called. Huh. And um, and they had a couple of bands, one, Sabor in one room and another band in another room. Anyway, it used to get really packed, and people would come in. I would say, you know, 90% Latino people in there, you know what I mean? And, um, and then in walks this white guy. And he's wearing a hat with a little feather sticking out, I remember. And I'm playing up there, and this white guy walks on. I think, like, wow. He looks. He sticks out like a sore thumb. <laughs> you know? But he was, whatever. It's 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 a safe enough place. He, yeah. he, he'll be all right. <laughs> so he went to the bar, of course. You know, he went straight to the bar. And we're playing, and bum, bum, our set ended. We'll be right back in 15 minutes. So, of course, I'm going to the bar now, right? <laughs> so my turn to go to the bar on my break. And I, and it ends up, I was right next to this guy who walked in, and he says, uh, hey, man, you sound great. And I go, I felt like saying, how do you know? <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, who are you? Yeah, who are you? Yeah, you know? yeah. And then he said, no, man, you really sound great, man. You, you, want, you, you want a drink? And I'm going, you buying, I'm drinking, mm-hmm. you know. So I got me a, he bought me a drink, you know. I thought that was nice. And my name's Ernie and all that. 
He goes, and I'm a good friend of Cal Jader's. And I went like, mm, yeah, right. Mm. You know? To myself, I'm thinking, I got my drink. I said, hey, Ernie, thank you for the drink. And don't forget to tell your friend Cal Jader about me. You know what I mean? And he goes, oh, yeah, I'm going to tell him. You know? I went back to the stage with the guys in the band, and they're just hanging, doing their thing. And I said, hey, you see that guy over there with the hat on? He goes, you mean the white guy that walked in with the hat? <laughs> I said, yeah. He said, he said uh, these guys in the band said, I said, see, I told him, he just told me he's a good friend of Cal Jaders and all the guys in the band. I said, yeah, right, get out of here. You know, In Spanish, they say mentiroso, which means that liar. You yeah, know? yeah. Eh, mentiroso, you know. I said, well, that's what he said, whatever. And we played and that went on. Two weeks went by, Cal Jader came to town at uh, Hard Rooms, these concerts by the sea, mm -hmm. downstairs underneath the pier, right? Right, right. So I get there with my, 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 my wife Stella and my friend Candy Martinez. And we start going down to go, you know, pay our money to get into see Cal Jader play. We're at the top of the stairs and down at the box office, right at the bottom of the stairs, is Cal Jader and this guy Ernie face to face talking to each other. And I stopped dead in my tracks. And I went, and 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 he and he looked at Cal, that's him, Poncho Sanchez. And I froze, man. And then I, and then they said, Who's that guy? I go, Remember that guy I told you was lying that he said he knew Cal Jader? He said, That's the guy. That's him. The guy from Pico Rivera. And, and, and he goes, Cal, that's him. I went down the stairs, and now I'm going, uh, I'm shaking now. You know, I mean, I, this guy wasn't lying, you know? Yeah, yeah. And he's Cal, Poncho, and then Cal, Cal Jr. I didn't know at the time, but Cal was letting guys sit in because he was going to break up his band and put a new band together. Mm. And he already knew guys around town that were interested. Sure. And he just went by and by this guy's word. This guy named Poncho Sanchez plays pretty good. Yeah. Well, he's this... Man, my friend Ernie here says you play pretty good. I said, well, oh, well, thank you, man. I'm looking at Ernie. Man, thank you. you know? mm. And he said, you want to sit in? And I go, when? He goes, tonight. And I said, wow. And we sat down. They, I, I watched him play. A guy named Michael Smith was playing conga with him, uh -huh. a guy from Chicago yeah. who's also passed away now, who I knew Michael very well later on in life also. Anyway, he called me up on stage. And I went over there and I, I sat in. I was going to play one song, right? I took a solo. The crowd reacted. I mean, this is the greatest thing that could ever happen to me. Just one song, and I could live the rest of my life bragging about that. You know what I'm saying? The song was over, and I went like, to, get, to tell Calgier, thank you for letting me sit in. Yeah. And he pushed my shoulder down like that. He goes, stay with us the rest of the set. And I went like, ah. Anyway, long story short, um, I played more four more tunes with him. He said, give me your name and your number and all that, you know. Uh, it, maybe when I come to Los Angeles, I could use you. I said, oh, that would be great. Thank you, Mr. Jader, you know. And, and so I was living at my mother's house, and I was gone, and the phone rang, and I guess my, my mother answered. She speaks broken English. And my mother answered and talked to Cal Jader. And uh, and I was out doing errands or whatever. I came home, back home uh, about an hour later, and my mom said, oh, in Spanish, she told yeah. me. Uh, uh, somebody called for me. I go, who, Mom? You know, who called? Yeah. She goes, I wrote the number down. I said, who, who is it? And she said, uh, alligator. And I said, alligator? <laughs> Cal Jader alligator. alligator. Yeah. yeah, and she didn't speak very good English. So, uh -huh. so she said, oh, uno que se llama alligator, algo así, you know, something like alligator. And I go, mom, who was it? You know what I mean? She said, well, the number's there. I said, mom, was it Cal Jader? She goes, eso, you know, that's it, that's it. <laughs> I called him, of course, and, and he said, hey, man, I want to use you. Uh, New Year's Eve at the Coconut Grove at the Ambassador Hotel, uh, New Year's Eve, 1975. Which, by the way, that's a big gig. Big time, man. That's a big gig. I only see that on TV where movie stars used to go to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. As a matter of fact, I, 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 he says, you know where the Ambassador Hotel is? <laughs> uh, the Coconut Grove. I think they were calling it concerts at the Grove by then. You mm -hmm, know? Mm -hmm. And I said... Well, yeah, I see it on TV. You know what I mean? I, I don't know where it's at. I said, but no, I'll get there. And I hung up the phone and I was like, I can't believe this. You know, he hired me to do that New Year's Eve and then four nights down in San Diego. Hmm. And that's it. That's what he hired me for, for a week. And I told my dad in Spanish, I told my dad, hey, dad, do you know where the Century Plaza, hotel, uh, no, no, uh, the yeah. Ambassador. Uh, Ambassador Hotel is yeah. in, uh, on Wilshire Boulevard? Yeah. And my dad said, ooh, like that. He goes, ooh, he goes, what do you want to know that for? <laughs> and I go, Dad, I'm going to play there. And he goes, you're going to play there? No, he goes, no. Only movie stars go there and, and only ah. rich people go there. You have no business there. <laughs> I said, Dad, do you know where it's at? He goes, Paya, 
por la Wilshire para allá. Digo, that means far away over there, Wilshire somewhere. <laughs> anyway, I finally got to the gig and I played. And after the first set with Cal Jader, I married, took me in a little dressing room about this size, small room, and took me in there and said, Poncho, man, you really sound great. Uh, you sound like a young Mongo Santa Maria, oh. who was my hero. Oh. And, um, and said, uh, you got the gig. And I told him, oh, I have the gig for tonight and four days. And <laughs> right, right, right. I'm good for tonight. No, no. Yeah. You, you're in the band. So I could not believe it, man. And that was uh, New Year's Eve, 1975. Was that, your, was that your ticket out of the foundry? Absolutely. Well, it's yeah. funny. I was I was laid off from that foundry. Oh. And my unemployment was getting real thin by uh, then. I had yeah. been collecting employment for about four months already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And playing little gigs from side to side, uh -huh. time to time. So uh, things were getting real thin. Yeah. And uh, they hadn't called me back. The found they shut the foundry down. So right. they did. Right. So I was I needing a job. Yeah. You yeah. Know what I mean? But I mean, think about th so some of the soloists that have worked with Cal Jader mm. over the years, Mongo being one, Willie yeah. Bobo, wow. Armando Parazza, mm -hmm. pianist Lonnie Hewitt. Oh my, Lonnie was a good friend of mine, man. Vince Guaraldi, mm. Chick Corea. So all of a sudden now you're the featured soloist. Man, I don't ask. I, I mean, did some of this happened. run through your mind as you're, you know, as 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 you were beginning with him, that you were you were you were filling a pretty significant chair, if you will. Those are my. They're still my heroes today. All those, yeah. all those guys you mentioned, they're my heroes, and I'm blessed that I got to know them all. I actually mm. played or played with them or got to know them very well. Yeah, and um, I mean, I just um, I was I was dead serious of being Cal Jader's conga drummer. Mm. Whatever it took, I'm going to learn how to do everything the right way. Mm. As a matter of fact, I remember I played in the, I was in this band for seven and a half years. Yeah. And I played one night after about, I was in the band for about a year and a half, or we played for many gigs already, and I made a mistake on stage, a break. I missed a break. Mm -hmm. and, and I got mad at myself. I went, shh, you know, on stage. And Cal went like this, great, you're human. He <laughs> <laughs> told me that. I went, what? Yeah. And he goes, you never make mistakes. Thank God you finally made one. Yeah. Now I know you're you. <laughs> I said, no, but it's bad I made a mistake. That's how serious I was. Yeah, tell me tell me about, about Cal Jader. And 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 about I mean, you said you you were with him for seven and a half years. Yeah. Um and 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 really this was this was very much the beginning, if you will, of of what would what would really be your career. Yeah. Um what did what did you learn from him? Well, you know, uh, I mean, he didn't sit me down like a music teacher yeah. and say, here's how you do it and right. all that. It was just more like just hanging out with him. Mm -hmm. That's how you learn, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? So I, I was lucky because I had all the early Cal Jada records and I knew all the songs and mm -hmm. all the breaks. So he could call off a tune and I knew it, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Or, you know, 90% of it, you know what I mean? So I was lucky there because mm -hmm. I studied his music before I got in his band. Mm -hmm. So that was a plus for me. Yeah. And then I learned a lot from Cal just being on the road, basically, I was on the road with him for seven and a half years, and I was with him when he died. I, I seen him die, you know, mm -hmm. um, and we were in Manila in the Philippines when that happened. But but just by being around him every day, you know, he would sometimes I'd go to his room on the road and he'd be on the, on the line with a club owner or a promoter and he'd be yelling all upset. And like, you know, I was going, oh, man, I wonder if Cal's OK. And, yeah. And I didn't know nothing about the business in those days. Right. I'm just taking care of Cal Jeter's conga chair. Mm -hmm. yeah. And um, Cal says, um, hung up the phone one time and he said, Poncho, one day you're going to know what I'm going through right now. He goes, you're going to have your own band one day and you're going to go through a day like I'm going through. Mm -hmm. He goes, I need me a, a scotch and water right now to take the edge off. <laughs> and I didn't even know what take the edge off meant at yeah. that time. I drank beer and that was about it, but I didn't know what take the edge off means. <laughs> I, I hadn't had that much experience in life to know what that meant. Yeah. And of course, you know, after he'd passed and about three years into me being a leader, mm -hmm. I had a day just <laughs> like that. <laughs> I said, ah, yeah. that's what he means, yeah. take the edge off. But what a great apprenticeship to, you know, to to kind of get a sense of what it meant to run a band well, and, and the kind of responsibility you had. Well, you know, Scott, uh, uh, with Cal, you know, one the one great thing he had, he had a knack for uh, picking out like a standard, mm. uh, just an American standard, mm -hmm. and do it as a mambo or a cha-cha or a bolero. Mm -hmm. he, he, he would find a way to, to, to adapt it to the rhythms, you know what I mean? And he did that a lot. 
And so I started seeing the way he did that. Like, oh, he, he would take a, 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 just some standards. You know, mm -hmm. he'd pick a standard. Do you know Mrs. Jones or what's it called? Uh, any of those type of tunes, you know, standards. Mm -hmm. And he would adapt it to a mambo or a cha-cha. And, and, and I said, man, that actually lends itself nicely. Yeah. It's got a nice smooth groove to it, you know. You know, he 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 uh, he had some great ideas yeah. like yeah. that. Did you guys, you guys ever, ever talk about, you know, because he was of Northern European yeah. descent. You know, it's it's like where where did that in, in a guy like that you wonder where that groove came from? Well, Cal Jader, uh, a lot of people don't know the story. Cal Jader is Swedish descent, uh -huh. uh, Swede, a Swede, right? And he was born in uh, St. Louis uh, in a vaudeville family. Uh, he was a tap dancer uh, and then became a drummer. Uh, people don't a lot of people don't know Cal Jader was the first drummer with Dave Brubeck's band mm. before uh, Joe Marillo and all that. Hmm. Uh, Cal was the drummer with uh, Dave Brubeck's band first. And that's where Cal met Armando Peraza. Well, he met, uh, then he went to George Shearing's band playing vibes with George Shearing. And that's where he met Armando Peraza, the great Cuban right. conga drummer. And that's what started making the things go for him. Cal was uh, a, a, a tap dancer. So Cal could dance the mambo and the cha-cha-cha. He was a good dancer. For a white boy, he could yeah. dance. <laughs> you know, as, as a matter of fact, <laughs> one, one time we were at at, at, uh, at uh, Hard Rooms, this concert by the sea. Yeah, yeah. And I was playing there with Cal Jader, and and in, in walks uh, Buddy Epson mm. from the uh, Beverly, Beverly Hillbillies. Yeah, remember Big Tall Buddy, yeah, yeah, Buddy yeah. Epson, uh, Jed Clampett. Yes, right? that Jed was, Clampett that was the role. So, and I was watch the, I would always watch the Beverly Hillbillies in those days. Cal, they waved to each other and go, "Wow, does Cal know Jed Clampett?" You know. <laughs> anyway, then so they took a break and they, were, they got in the back room and they were hugging each other and kissing each other and, and they were having a, you know a toast, a, a scotch and water. I said, "Wow, Cal knows Jed Clampett." Said, Guys, this is Buddy Epson, you know. And I said, "Oh, that's oh, that's right, that's his real name, Buddy Epson." Mm. And and I'm just like in awe, like wow, that's the guy from the Beverly Hillbillies, you know. And then he goes, "Hey Cal, let's do our old routine." And and I thought, what's that all about? And he goes, and Cal goes, "Oh man, I don't tap no more." And he had like rubber shoes on, like these. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it, and he goes, "Come on, let's do it." And I swear, right in the little back room, the at uh, in, right there in Redondo Beach, they started grabbing, he Cal could tap, man. Yeah, yeah. And, and that, Buddy Epson was a yeah. He was in musicals, and you know, in the thirties. If 40s. you think about it, remember he yeah. used to come up with Shirley Temple and all the old old yes. movies, and all that. Yes. And I went, holy shit, yeah. Buddy Epson and Cal Jader, and they could tap, man. Crazy. So you know, crazy. You learn a lot of stuff yeah. man, on yeah. the road. Another guy who was important to you, Claire Fisher. Oh God. Um. Um. It, it, he he was a composer and an arranger. Tell tell me about meeting him and 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 how he was helpful to you. Claire Fisher was great, man. Claire Fisher was a harmonic genius. Mm. That's what he was, man. I mean, the chords he used, beautiful, man. Yeah. That guy was a harmonic genius. Well, see, he was in Cal Jeter's band in the '60s. Mm -hmm. I was way too young. Yeah. And then he was gone for I don't know, 12, 18 years, whatever it was. Then he joined the band when I when I was in it. Mm. So that's how I got to know Claire Fisher. Mm -hmm. And when I met him, I know he wrote like Morning and I Pensa remember Pensativa. Spring. Pensativa. Ooh, yeah. that's a, I recorded yeah. those tunes yeah, yeah. with him yeah. on my record. He helped me write tunes. The very first tune I ever wrote in my life is called Baila Mi Gente. I've recorded about four different times now. <laughs> Baila Mi Gente. Claire Fisher helped me write that tune because mm. I had ideas, but I, I don't know how to read or write music. Today, yeah. I still don't. Yeah. But I write my tunes through piano players or trombone players mm -hmm. or whatever. Claire helped me write out my ideas. And became, that's yeah. what became Baila Mi Gente. And we did a bunch of songs like that together. And we got 50-50 on them and all like that. Sure. But Claire, man, was such a beautiful guy. I remember we were coming from Tucson to Phoenix. That's only about a two-hour drive or an hour and 45-minute drive. And we had to rent a car. We were doing gigs with Cal Jader. And I got the contract from Albert Marks. I don't know, about 10 pages, you know. I have no idea what this is about. <laughs> and then Claire said, Poncho, you drive to Phoenix and I'll read you the contract. Mm. And he, and I said, oh, thank you. That really helped me out. 
And so, because he helped me get it, you know what I mean? Sure. So he, we're, I'm driving to Phoenix, and Clara's right there reading all that fine print, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And he goes, Poncho, do you know what that means? And I go, uh, no, I don't know what that means. <laughs> so he'd break it down to me, and next page, and next page. By the time I got to Phoenix, Clara read me my whole contract and said, Poncho, I think it's a good idea to sign with it. I said, I, I think so, too. You wow. Know? But he explained everything to me. Yeah. You did a recording of Dizzy Gillespie and Chano Pazzo. Tunes, yeah. and I think that was with Terrence Blanchard. Yeah, my man Terrence. Yeah, T. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, and I'm wondering, and uh, a terrific album. But Thank the question you. is, I'm wondering by doing that album, did it put in your mind that someday I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna take on Coltrane? Yeah, sure did. Yeah, because yeah. when I when I hear when I listen to that record, and 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 now having heard what you did with Coltrane, it's like these are almost you know same size, you know, different sides of the same coin. Yeah, uh, you know, well, like I, you know, like we mentioned earlier, these are my heroes, man. Yeah, and to me, they're the greatest that will ever live. You know, mm. I mean, that's how how big I think on them. Yeah, I feel, even feel I could never be as as great as them because these are my heroes. You yeah, know what I mean, you know, Dizzy Gillespie. Thank God I got to meet Dizzy. I played with Dizzy. He played with Dizzy Gillespie was a special guest with my band several times. So tell, I, tell me about working with him. What 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 was Dizzy, special man. about working with him? Oh, Dizzy, man. God only made one of those. <laughs> <laughs> Dizzy is the greatest, man. I remember we flew all the way to Sardinia. I mean, I got to my room. And the hotel was kind of nice, you know. I mean, it was all right, you know what I mean? More like a more like a bungalows, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? But but it was very clean yeah. and very proper and nice. It was nice. But it wasn't a beautiful hotel, okay? Mm. I was in my hotel room. It was real hot, and I had the windows open. And, and I'm over there in Italy thinking, like, wow, I'm going to play with this. He's going to play with us. And and it was the first day of the tour, first day that we were going to go for almost a month to everywhere, you mm -hmm. know? And we're there. And then I hear somebody walking down the hall. You could hear him coming down the hall because it set up kind of more like a bungalow, and there was hard floors. Yeah. And I could hear people walking, like three people. So I'm listening. And then I heard this going, yeah, man. You know, I go, like, you know, that's Dizzy. You you, you know his voice. Yeah, you know what I mean? sure. Unmistakable. That's, that's Dizzy, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. And I said, oh, my God, Dizzy Gillespie was walking down. I mean, I went to open the door and look, but I just listened, listened. And then I thought, oh, my God, they opened the room right next to mine. I said, wow, Dizzy Gillespie going to be in the room next to me? Oh, man, I'll be like this every <laughs> night, you know, just to see what Dizzy Gillespie does, you know? <laughs> well, they come down the hallway and and. Uh, Man, it sure is hot. It was one of them hot, muggy yeah. summers over there. And then they opened the door, and man, I'm right by my door just listening. Dizzy just stuck his head in there and looked around. <laughs> and he said, uh, can, can I cuss on this thing? Yes, sir. <laughs> Dizzy, Dizzy looked in there, looked around, and he said, can you tell this motherfucker <laughs> that slavery was over a long time ago? <laughs> <laughs> and then they closed the door, and I heard him walk right away. Back down the hall. And, and I went, wow, maybe one day I, I could be big enough to say <laughs> something like that, you know? Yeah. And that's just one of the little Dizzy Gillespie stories. I mean, he, he is he is one of a kind, yeah. or he was one of a kind. Yeah. Let's talk about the, um, the, the, the Coltrane record. You do Blue Train, yeah. you know, which is, you know, from 58. So, you know, relatively early in his recording yeah. career, you know, yeah. mid, mid, mm -hmm. um, and then Liberia and Giant Steps, which is, that's already 1960, and he's yeah. moving towards a love supreme, yeah. you know, at that point. Um, Circle of fifths, man. Yeah, man. I mean, a very pivotal time in, in his in his career. Yeah. What made you choose those songs? What, why was that interesting to you? Francisco Torres, uh told me about Blue Train. He goes, mm -hmm. Poncho, Blue Train would probably, yeah. probably be a good idea. I said, oh, of course, everybody's got that record. You know, I go, right. oh, that's a great tune, man. It's cool. It's simple, but cool, yeah. you know. Uh, he said, yeah. Uh, he goes, you know, it, it'll, it, it lends itself to a cha-cha. Cha-cha, you know. Mm -hmm. or, you know, the original. But it lends itself to a cha-cha, right? Why take it? Why take him on now? Well, actually, I wanted to do it a while back, uh -huh. uh, about three or four records back. Yeah. I mean, it was just, you know, you, oh, well, for instance, uh, John Burke, you know, I worked with John. We mean, John made a lot of records together. I don't yeah. know, seven records together, yeah. something like that. And we did from day one to 
till the day it comes out. Mm -hmm. and, uh, John Burke helped me with everything. And before my musical director at that time was David Torres, who has now passed on, and now Francisco Torres took over that job. Um, and uh, John, actually John would come to my house and would kick around stories and yeah. ideas for the next record, you know what I mean? Which, man, I don't know if all the other artists get this, but that's what I get. <laughs> and that's why I've been with Concord longer than anybody. <laughs> so John come to my house and Poncho. personal Yeah, he says, Poncho, what do you, you want to do next? You know, I go, I don't know. And I got a whole uh, room full of old records and yeah. CDs and videos. I, I'm a collector, so I have stuff from when I was in junior right. high school right. in my house, you know. And so I'm putting stuff on for John and stuff that John never even heard. He go, well, I've never heard that before. Well, anyway, we started coming up with ideas of what do you want to do? So I actually told John about it, I think about four or five records back. And mm. So I'm, we're talking over 12 years ago. But the, we said, well, why don't we do this instead? And then, that, yeah, that sounds like a great idea, you know? And uh, the Chana Posa Dizzy Gillespie thing, actually Jim Castle uh, from the Berkeley Agency, who was my manager uh, for like, 16, 18 years, mm -hmm. he told me about doing the tribute to Dizzy and Chano Poso, and it just, then he just let it go, we kind of just let it go, and then now my manager, now for the last, I don't know, eight, nine years, something like that, I don't know, a long time now, Ivory Daniel, uh -huh. Ivory told me, hey, I remember you told me about you want to do the thing to, for Chano Poso and a thing for John Coltrane, uh, why don't we do it? Yeah. So Ivory Daniel is the one that pushed it. Mm -hmm. And that's why that Chana Posa Dizzy Gillespie came right. came out. And exactly the same thing happened again. Ivory turned Poncho, when are you going to do this John Coltrane okay. tribute? Right. So when somebody's there, your, your management or your your manager's giving you support to some, something that you love, right. come on. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. not going to be too hard to yeah. push. Okay, stop bending my arm. I'll do it. You know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I'll go do that. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll go do that. So, so that's that record... How the, so, uh, I'm sorry, that's how that happened. Yeah, that record comes out on, on the 20th. So the last last question. Um, you've taken on James Brown's music. My man. Booker T and the MGs. Um, we talked about Tower of Power. Yeah. Um, now John Coltrane. But it's all filtered through your kind of unique approach to Afro-Cuban music. Why, why is it that you, you think... That that approach, and particularly Afro, you know, that Afro-Cuban approach, seems to work so well in all these different genres. Well, all that stuff we just talked about, what you just said, it's it's in here, my heart, mm -hmm. and it's in here, mm -hmm. in my mind. I've thought of all this for many years, and I'm just getting around to do it all. You know what I mean? I just like it. If there's something on my record, it's because I like it. It's not because somebody told me you have to put this record on. Yeah. You have to do this song on your record because you know that's the latest thing. Or I, it, my records don't have nothing to do with that stuff. It's right. just what is Poncho like? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And then of course I open that up to the band. What is Francisco Torres like? What is you know Ron Blake like? And I we're like a family, so we start kicking around ideas. And then like like the last the the new record. Uh, I told Andy Lang of my piano player, Andy, you know, I need a 6-8 tune, man, for the record. I don't know, come up with something, man, but think about John Coltrane when you're yeah. doing it, yeah. you know what I mean? And he came up with Subit. Well, actually, he called it Up and Up first. Uh -huh. And I go, what is it called? He said, Up and Up. And I go, Up and Up? I said, why don't we call it Subit? <laughs> he goes, what's that mean? I go, to go up, <laughs> up and up, Subit. And he goes, I like that. Yeah, perfect. So that's how you work it. Yeah. And then on, on that particular tune, we added all kinds of overdubbed. Uh, my friend uh, Cornelius Duncan uh, with that uh, kalimba. Oh, the kalimba, the, like yeah. the thumb, thumb, yeah, thumb, 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 thumb piano, piano or whatever, or whatever call it's called. It. Yeah. yeah. Man, I, I thought huh. of putting that on there. I put the talking drums from Africa, yeah. the talking the talking drums on there. I put the kiha, which is the jawbone of a donkey. You, you hold the kiha, you know, the thing goes, and it echoes, it echoes ch -ch -ch. it's a jawbone of a donkey. Um, we we uh, we added a lot of stuff to that subject. Sure. But uh, back to the question, um, all, all these things that uh, all these records we mentioned, all the different types of music, I just try to find a way, which I learned from Cal Jader, to adapt them to what I like mm. and the rhythms I like and like that, mm. like the James Brown stuff, um, Out of Sight and. Um, 
uh, the stuff we did with Booker T and the MGs, Steve Cropper and Eddie Floyd. We did Raise Your Hand. If there's something you need, you know, well, it's a cha-cha. It's, mm -hmm. it's a funky, but it's a funky cha-cha. Right. You know what I mean? That's just right. like a regular cha-cha-cha. Yeah, yeah. Kind of like a little funk in there, you yeah. know what I mean? And so I just like to adapt the music I like and the music I grew up with to come out with yes. this. Well, all I can tell you is we're glad you're still doing it because it's you. fantastic. Pancho Sanchez, thank you so much for being Thanks, on God. the Prestige 7 Good to podcast. see you again, man. You bet, man. All right, Absolutely. Thank you. You'll find additional episodes of the Prestige 70 podcast at craftrecordings.com forward slash prestige70 or wherever you download podcasts. This episode was brought to you by Craft Recordings, crafting the future from the past. Edited by Zach Stilwell and produced by Laura Saez. I'm Scott Goldman. Thanks for listening.